Welcome to the Take the Cake podcast. I am your host, Kate Noel, and I am so happy you're here. My mission is to inspire you to be the best version of yourself by truly honoring what your mind, body, and soul want and need. Here, we talk about everything and anything, wellness, recovery, lifestyle stuff, lots more. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Take the Cake podcast. So we are in part two of Borderline Brainwash series. This is just a two-part series. Borderline Brainwash is a book that was written by one of my best friends, Sarah. She's called Sarah the Human. That's her pen name. And so last week, we really dove into why she wrote the book, what inspired the book. And we talked about breaking binary, shifting core beliefs, spirituality, rejection, a little bit about people-pleasing. And today, we are going to talk more about her... I guess, personal journey a little bit more with struggles that she's had that I think a lot of you can really relate to. So if you haven't listened to the first part, go check it out because I think it really lays the foundation for what you're about to hear. But in this episode, we talk about her experience with an eating disorder and hypothalamic amenorrhea. We talk about perfectionism, we talk about letting loose and trying not to be perfect all the time, and just stuff like that, self-approval versus outside approval. So this episode's really more of a personal uh, growth in her health journey, I'd say. I hope that y'all enjoy this conversation. Okay, we have Sarah the Human back on the podcast, back on Take the Cake, And this time we're going to be talking about her experience with her eating disorder and a little bit about perfectionism and a little bit about fear. I am so moved by Sarah because she has, I I feel your recovery is actually pretty recent now that I think about it, it. but Sarah, I I feel that I, I was there for you in your recovery journey and it was really inspiring to see somebody in my life that I knew go through recovery because I've been really used to seeing it on social media, which is obviously so inspiring when I see like people who follow me recover. And I'm so inspired by that, but just seeing it in real life with a friend, I was really moved. So I knew I wanted to talk about that on the show. You talk about it a little bit in your book, but can you just expand on having an eating disorder and hypothalamic amenorrhea Um, and recovering from those and how those were impacted by your core beliefs. Yes, definitely. Well, I just have to say I can't even talk about this without acknowledging that you played such a massive role (laughs) in me even understanding that I had an eating disorder. I think when I think about my eating disorder, that's what I think about is that I didn't know that I had it (laughs) for about 10 years. I was you know, having this very unhealthy relationship with food and I was completely oblivious to it. I was completely unaware. I just assumed that this is how all humans are interacting with food and that this is just what people do. And so really when I started recovery was just you you know, offering me up a suggestion that I might have HA so graciously. I just remember I had been on birth control pills for about seven years and then... so long. So long. (laughs) Um, But I got off birth control um, in August of 2020. No, August of 2019. And then in... And then my doctor said, oh, like once you're off birth control, it might take a few months for you to get your period back. And so I waited probably three, four months and I hadn't gotten it back still. And I thought, okay, well maybe it'll take five or six months. And so I remember at six, at the six month mark, I actually thought I was pregnant because I remembered, oh my gosh, I haven't had my period and I'm supposed to have it back. So I took a pregnancy test and I wasn't pregnant, but then um, I was like, okay, well maybe it'll just take seven or eight months. (laughs) So (laughs) eventually a year went by and I still hadn't got my period. And I remember talking to you and saying like, I don't know why, you know, and you just so graciously said, 
okay, I have a guess as to why and I have a way that I can help you, you know, get your period back if you're interested, but you're not going to like it. <laughs> I remember you saying that. And you told me, I suspect you have HA and that your body, you know, is in starvation mode because you have been restricting foods and, um, and binging and doing this cycle of restricting foods and then binging, restricting food and then binging. And I also was running a lot. Yeah, you had just, I remember <laughs> that month or the month before you were had just run like 100 miles in one month and I was like, oh my gosh, girl. Yes, which I thought was achieving something. I mean, it is. Know, which it is, which it is. But I didn't realize for me and my body, it was really not good for my body because I was... Um, so hungry yeah. <laughs> and my body was so stressed and I just kept working and working and working and not allow allowing it to relax and recover and rejuvenate and so um so yes you told me um that to you know hopefully get my period back I could begin not working out for around three months straight and eating around 3,000 calories mm -hmm. of whatever I wanted for like three months straight. And I immediately went home and said, no way in hell am I going <laughs> to do that? I was just like, I'm at my peak. I just ran 100 miles in one month. And I'm not going to not work out for three months and lose it all. And I also had this belief that was false, but I had this belief that if I... If I allowed myself to eat whatever I wanted, and if I allowed myself to not work out, I would be less valuable, less worthy, and I also would look on the outside ugly. That was my belief, that if I gained even just 10 to 15 pounds above what I was currently at then, automatically I would look unattractive. And that belief was so false. It was so false and so just straight up wrong <laughs> because the way that I, you know, learned that it was wrong was because I did start eating 3,000 calories a day of whatever I wanted and I started not working out for three months and the result was I gained weight. I gained pounds and the result was I look and feel better than I you look so ever good. have and, and it's just so <laughs> it's so mind-blowing to me because if you would have told me back then hey a year from now you're going to be pounds heavier and you're going to look and feel greater than you've ever felt in your life, I would not have believed you. You know, that belief was so ingrained in me that my weight was tied to how I look. You know, it's tied to my beauty, it's tied to my worth. And now, you know, I'm able to see that if I have a bag of Cheetos versus if I have three celery sticks, my beauty, my worth, my value, everything, it doesn't change. Whatever food I'm putting into my body, who I am, and my inherent value and worth and beauty does not change. Mm -hmm. It is still there. It is there, and that's what, you know, I want to remember moving forward in my relationship with food. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm so proud of you, and I'm really honored that you did take my advice I'm happy there was a little voice inside of you that was like, okay, I'm just going to listen to Katie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but I guess I am because, yeah, like you did it and you got your period back. And it took a little bit, but ultimately you got it back. And, you know, for those listening, I think the most important message is that you need to be, like the biggest lesson is that 
your body is going to, your body knows best and knows where it wants to be. And that those numbers of what I should weigh, they, first of all, will change over time. Like they, they're fluid and they're meant to move around. And also they, they don't have anything to do with your self-worth. And I, a lot of people ask me, how do I do it? Like, how do you just do it and go for it? And I love that you mentioned actually doing it was the way that you were able to do it. Like you felt the benefits because that's one of the biggest things is like once I actually started feeding my body, once I actually started um, feeling good and not feeling depleted and not feeling stressed all the time and also just physically feeling better allowed me to mentally feel better. Like it's all really connected and so it's kind of, it kind of sucks for, for, you know, people listening, it might be hard to hear that in order to see the light, in order to see the fruit of what you're doing, you just have to do it. Like in order to feel the good effects of recovery, mm-hmm. you have to keep doing it, but it's true. I mean, that's a big, big plus and your body knows best. So it's going to be like, thank you for feeding me. Thank you for doing this. And you will feel a difference. Yes, I love what you said about just like allowing our body to be a body and trusting our body that whatever it's wanting, you know, whatever it's craving, like is good and it knows it knows what it needs and just like not restricting and just allowing it to be is is so beneficial to our health. And um you asked me earlier like how it relates to a core belief and you know, a core belief that I developed growing up, I had mentioned before was that I was bad. Um, a sinner is, you know, how it was shaped, given to me. But, um, the, the implications of I was bad, I was a sinner, um, translated into my eating disorder because I was told that without Jesus, I am nothing. The only good in me is because of Jesus. But if I don't have Jesus without him, I cannot trust myself. I'm bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I am nothing. I'm unworthy. And it developed this very intense lack of self-trust. And it even further, the Bible talks about our flesh being bad like the struggle between our flesh and and you know spirituality or something and so I was had in my brain this idea that my body was not trustworthy Mm -hmm. I couldn't trust my body and so when I just allowed myself to eat whatever my body was telling me to eat and you know work out however much or little my body was telling me to, to my surprise, I found that it was good and beneficial for me instead of, you know, I was thinking that my body would just want ice cream for every meal for the rest of my life. Like that's what I was thinking that's everyone that's that my everyone. body would want. <laughs> and it's like, as soon as I just let my body be, I will eat ice cream now. Absolutely. I love it. It's like one of my favorite foods. It's so good. But it's like after I eat ice cream, I don't want it. I don't want the whole tub. Mm-hmm. You know, I do. I want however many scoops, but I don't want to keep eating the whole tub. Like my body at some point tells me, okay, <laughs> we're good, you know? And, and so I think that's what's hard about, you know, when I had, I was binge eating because I felt like, I had to have the whole tub because tomorrow I didn't, my body didn't know if tomorrow it would be on a juice cleanse Mm -hmm. for seven days in a row. So it felt, Mm. you know, and I think that's the biggest thing uh, that I've been learning now is looking back on myself and just having such empathy and self-love for myself when I was really in the thick of my eating disorder because it was a way to adapt to my stressors in life. Like I was feeling unsafe in so many areas of my life that this was one area that I could control. And, you know, it it helped me feel safe in Mm -hmm, a way. mm -hmm. And so I think just looking back and just 
allowing myself to just love my old self, have empathy for my old self, and just know that, like, that is a way that I was staying, you know, I guess I would just say staying alert in the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so um, I think just it's important to, like, remember that we're all on our journeys and we're all in different parts of our journey. And like, I could not be who I am today without my eating disorder. Like I am mm-hmm. thankful for mm-hmm. it. it. Shaped me in ways that I couldn't be here today with talking about it unless I was going through it. <clears throat> yeah. Thank you so much for sharing and for just being uh, open and vulnerable and receptive And I love that you feel that way because, yeah, our our compulsions, our uh, eating disorders, our just food and body challenges collectively, and even other things, but specifically food and body challenges, are an expression of a place that we're probably avoiding or feelings that aren't being met. And that sounds so like meta and cliche, but it it really is true. I mean, it's not just an eating disorder or amenorrhea, whatever it is. It's, it's, there's, there's really something there. And so I love that you're able to see that and connect it back to your core belief that we talked about in part one, um, from your upbringing and I'm sure too, just from media and people around you and stuff and living in LA, it's not very easy to, Um, so thank you so much for sharing and for people out there listening, can you give advice on if somebody doesn't know, like what belief, like where their belief is, like, how did you uncover Mm -hmm. that it was something from your upbringing? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of my eating disorder stemmed from this, um, from perfectionism, Mm -hmm. you know, there is this belief I had two beliefs one that I was bad and then one that I needed to be perfect (laughs) so it was this um which those two beliefs together just are a recipe for disaster that's not great that's not good (laughs) great it's a feeling of I will never measure up ever um because I was you know the bible talks about be imitators of Christ and i believed Christ to be perfect, flawless, you know, without mistake, without error, anything. And so I believed like I needed to be perfect at all times. And so that perfectionism, you know, a way to identify, like if you have that perfectionism, some qualities or I guess signs of having perfectionism is all or nothing thinking. So if you are someone who uh, you know, maybe, maybe says like, oh, today I'm going to eat healthy. And then Mm. if you have one mess up where, you know, it's not a mess up, you know, but in our minds, sometimes a donut can feel like a mess up, even though it is not, it is a choice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, um, having that donut, an all or nothing thinking would be, oh, okay, well, I better just eat super unhealthy, you know, for the rest of the day. And then tomorrow I'll start clean or whatever. Like that's an example of all or nothing. And then another, you know, sign of perfectionism is being highly critical of yourself or others. And that is just a huge one. I mean, just, you know, I think we see that in so many women generally speaking just really you know that is something society has kind of shaped in a lot of us is just like softening our voice and you know feeling like okay we need to step back and just kind of I don't know just instilling this mindset of being very critical and very hard on ourselves. and when we're hard on ourselves, it it does oftentimes lead to being very hard and critical of others, Mm -hmm. whether that is directly or um, whether it's quietly in our hearts or in trusted conversations, um, you know, that can bleed out. And then another thing is identifying if you are setting unrealistic expectations for yourself. Um, That can be, that can lead back to a belief in feeling the need to be perfect, which 
the core of that belief is that you are not accepted as you are, um, which we all are. <laughs> you are accepted as you are. You know, allow that to just give you some, you know, alleviate some pressure there. It's like you are accepted as That's you are. That's just so... Like, even for me, who's really, I feel very strong in my self-worth, even I'm, like, resistant to that sometimes, mm, just that idea mm-hmm. that, like, I am just accepted as who I am. I don't have to perform. I don't have to complete this task and this task. So it's like a life journey, honestly. At least mm-hmm. for me, it really will be. And that's okay. Totally. You know, I'm here for the ride. But it is so it seems so high up there and I'm like, okay, I'm just trying to get up to that, this place where I can just be me. Mm. Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's hard. It's so hard. Yes. Recently my husband, Bo and I have been waking up in the morning and we've created a habit where we look at each other and we say, you are good. You are loved. You are accepted. Oh my gosh. I'm going to move in. And yeah. <laughs> be there tomorrow morning. I'll text you. I'm sending morning text. Yeah. And it's like, that has been so healing. And every time we do it, it like hits me to my core because I realize, oh, the moment before we did that, I wasn't believing that about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the moment I just wake up in the morning and my, my go-to is still that I'm not accepted as I am and that I need to do, do, do for the rest of the day. But when we just wake up and start our day with you are good you are loved you're accepted I can like feel my body relaxing Mm -hmm. and and it yeah I think it does it does take like a life probably (laughs) to (laughs) unlearn something that core which you know it's why it's called a core belief it's like it's so drilled in us yeah and I think like you can see it in other people who are like closer there who really accept themselves like obviously you don't know what's going on behind the scenes so I don't think anyone has it perfect but you can feel that energy from people who really believe in themselves and they love themselves and it's really inspiring and it's so beautiful like I've never I've never experienced that and been like wow that person's so full of themselves or they're so whatever I mean maybe in the past I would have been like like you said my eating disorder also made me extremely judgmental towards other people. So I'm sure I used to do that. I know I did, but now I'm just like, yes, I'm like, Ooh, like you're so inspiring and you're so comfortable with yourself. It's so beautiful. Yes. You can totally feel a person's energy. Like even from a screen, you know, on Instagram, like there's some, there's some like people that are just radiating light and, self-confidence and self-worth and it is inspiring and that's one of my favorite truths that I believe in is that when we find ourselves and you know really live out of our true selves and be who we are it is almost the most like way we can serve others it's like a way that we can free others because just by being ourselves so confidently so assuredly it gives other people permission to be themselves too Mm -hmm. you know it's like we look at these people who are just accepting themselves for who they are and it's like confronting you know we look at it and we're like oh it's like somebody on the dance floor like the (laughs) one person on the dance floor who goes and they dance and you're like okay, everyone, like then a couple more people. And then before you know it, everyone's just dancing. And like, it's just because that one person, I always say to people who ask me, what do, what do I do in situations where my friends are like talking shit about themselves all, all the time? Or they're, they're triggering because they're talking about their diets and they're this and they're that. And I'm like, if you can find it in your heart, like be the inspiration, be the one friend who's like, everyone needs to stop. We need to like be Mm -hmm. loving to ourselves. Like let's go around today and say something we love about ourselves. And I guarantee you're going to make real change in your friends' lives or in, you know, your family's lives or whoever you're with, because people are inspired by that. Just being your authentic self. So they are. It's so good. Can you tell me a little bit about letting loose and trying not to be like a perfect Jesus? You mentioned that earlier. Yes, of course. 
So, yes, um, you know, I, I felt I needed to live by this verse in the Bible, be imitators of Christ. So I felt like I needed to be perfect. And what's funny about that is I just had my own definition of perfect. And the definition of perfect that I had in my brain was never worry or have anxiety never get angry, never get frustrated, never get irritated, never gossip, never get jealous, never, I mean, all of these things that are just baked into the human experience, you know, Mm -hmm. um, or they're just emotions, all of these things that there are, there is no avoiding, you know, there's no avoiding, I'm not going to reach a point where I never ever worry or anxiety have anxiety Mm -hmm. like that's just not going to happen and so perfectionism comes in there because it's setting an unrealistic expectation of myself I thought that those things were sins and so if someone you know uh tried to cut it cut in front of me in traffic and I got a little road rage I would instantly feel so bad about myself and I would say like, oh no, like you sinned, how dare you? Uh, you're, you're trying to be like Jesus, so would Jesus do that? No, Jesus would probably be like, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you just did a robot Jesus. Yeah, I did a robot Jesus, <laughs> it's okay. Which, you know, now I don't think Jesus was like that. I don't think he was a robot perfect like that. You know, I think he was a human and I think he got angry you know I know he got angry it's literally recorded in the bible (laughs) (laughs) you know I know he got hungry and thirsty and pressured and he worried he worried his ass off before he was crucified on the cross you would think he was stressing Mm -hmm. you know so just like letting go of this idea that my emotions are bad you know was so freeing because when I would have some worry creep up no longer was I trying to suppress it. Mm-hmm. I was just accepting that it was there, acknowledging that it was mm-hmm. there. Oh, I'm worried. Mm-hmm. Okay, what am I worried about? I'm worried that I'm not going to get this job. It's like, okay, well, I'm not going to know until I have the phone call that I got it or not. You know, so it's, it's basically instead of suppressing this, you know, all these like what I had thought were imperfect things I have been able to just accept them as part of being human like Mm -hmm. this is something that's part of being human and some things are beneficial to me and some things aren't and it's giving me the permission to choose the more beneficial thing and also if I do make a mistake sometimes not letting that define me and and not feeling bad Mm, about that forgiveness Yes, self-forgiveness, self-love. <laughs> yes. And and you know, in a in on another side of the coin was I thought that being like Jesus was not watching R-rated comedies mm. and not you know, drinking a lot of wine and not ever drinking not drinking smoking marijuana and not you know all these societal things that are like controversial I guess um I thought that being like Jesus meant completely abstaining from all of that and letting go of the need to be perfect in my behaviors has allowed for a lot of joy and freedom to come into my life because if I want to have three or four glasses of wine, I can. <laughs> and it's and I don't need to feel bad about myself for that. Now what will happen is the next day I will probably feel hungover. <laughs> and so I will probably wake up and be like, hmm, maybe I don't want to do that again tonight, you know? But if I but if I do, it's like, it's okay. You know, it's just going to be a, there's, there's natural consequences that are just in the universe already. Like I, yeah, on my own prerogative, I want to be kind to people, not because I'm trying to be like Jesus. I want to be kind 
to people because I feel better about myself mm -hmm. when I'm kind to people. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's in the consequences of our actions are just in the universe already. It's mm -hmm. not because of Jesus, not because of Jesus. You know, it's just as humans, we feel better about ourselves if we have, you know, keep it at a certain glass, a certain glass of the wine, we're probably going to feel bad about ourselves if we go to like 15 or 20 glasses of wine, you know, it's just a natural thing. So it's just like whatever level you feel good about and whatever you want to do, you have the freedom to do that. Mm -hmm. I, that's beautiful. I've never thought about the sort of natural consequences, but it makes so much sense. And I, it's so beautiful to see this in action because like I said in the previous podcast, uh, I've seen you just grow so much and I've seen you become more joyful just in my life, just observing you and being with you. And I love it. It's really, really beautiful. And I also as well, like letting go of trying to be perfect is very liberating. And, you know, our our emotions that we feel are messengers. I believe they're divine messengers. Mm -hmm. I think they are from God. I think that there's a reason for them. And if we reframe and, and think, okay, you know, the universe is giving me a sense of fear or a sense of joy or a sense of pleasure or a sense of pain for a reason. And it's my responsibility if I choose to unlock it and figure out where it's coming from, what's the source and how I need to adjust my life to, and sometimes that looks like acting on it. Like you said, sometimes that looks like someone cutting in front of you and you being like, oh shit, like, oh, I'm so mad. Or sometimes it's deeper than that and it looks like something you're experiencing on a daily basis or whatever it may be. And it's more of a journey of figuring out where it's coming from and what you need to do to, you know, change your life, so to speak. That's so beautiful. I so love So I think that people who suppress, they really are missing, I think, what the spiritual side of things, mm, you know, yes. that we really can actually be receiving something from the divine mm -hmm. through our emotions. I mean, our emotions, I, I, you know, read up about stuff. I'm in school right now, so I'm learning a lot. But our emotions are physical. They're chemical reactions in our bodies. If you think about it in that way too, it's like you wouldn't, you wouldn't get scraped up, you know, let's say, I don't know, you're skateboarding and you fall, you have a big scrape on your knee. You're not going to look at that and be like, that's wrong. I'm not going to do anything about that. I'm just going to let it get dirty and infected. Like you're going to take care of it. You're going to like nurse it and you know, whatever, act right. on it. And emotions are just as physical. Mm. They, a lot of times they even cause us physical feelings. When we're nervous, we get butterflies. Or when we're being watched, we have adrenaline. So there's, they are physical. And so I think just understanding that too, the science of emotions is important here as well. Definitely, yes. I mean, I think meditation can be so helpful with that because a lot of times for me, when I am in a space where I am clearing out, you know, all the hustle and bustle that's going on in my brain and my mind and just listening to heart and soul, a lot of emotions come up and those are messengers like you're saying and just having them suppressed for so many years just kept me in a fog. It's almost like I'm, you know, not really alive in a way. Mm -hmm. So allowing them to come up and feeling the anger, you know, I mean, a lot of times we're unhappy with our childhood traumas. You know, a lot of times we are a victim of a lot of different things mm -hmm. and it's okay to be angry about that, you mm -hmm. know, just like letting that out of, I am extremely angry, you know, and, and letting that out and, and accepting it, you know, and it's like accepting the anger is almost like a way of addressing the anger, just getting to bring it up to the surface so that it can shake off, you know, so that it can mm -hmm. reside 
off of you. Yeah. But when you suppress it, it's it's still there, you know. <laughs> so,、mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was I was talking about this with Sarah a while back.、Um, I was talking about how we metabolize trauma,、mm. and how sometimes we experience. Well, most of us do experience some sort of trauma, and especially when we're children, a lot of times we're not capable, literally capable, strong enough. Mentally and physically to metabolize and actually experience the trauma, work through it in our minds, and then release it. That's why there's trauma. That's what it is. It's when we can't something about like mentally, physically, we're blocked in some way. We can't we can't let it live in our body and then express it through another way. It's just like the channel's blocked. So it is. It sucks when we're adults and we look back and we're like. I mean, I have all this stuff from childhood. How is it still affecting me? But if you think about it that way, that as a child you just weren't able to absorb that and、mm. metabolize that, and if it's coming up for you now, that's like a sure sign that your body is like, I'm ready for this.、Yeah. I got this. I can do this, and I'm I'm strong enough to go through this and then release it、yes. in whatever way that looks like,、um, so that you can move on with your life and and grow from it, which is the whole point of all of it, just that growth. That's empowering. Good. <laughs> I need to take my own advice. <laughs> no, it's it's annoying, you know, when you're like, why do I still worry about this thing? That's like, I know that you know this. That's from my childhood. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not an overnight process. That's for sure. It's not. It's not. I、yeah. still have dreams that I'm not a good enough、um, gymnast, and、mm. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I was thinking this earlier, actually, like. The space that we're in, though, you know, like I feel like you and I can relate to feeling just kind of in a tra- transition phase,、yeah. you know, <laughs> feeling like we're in the thick of healing. You know, we're acknowledging our traumas, we're acknowledging our disor- eating disorder, and you know,、uh, we're acknowledging that we are tempted to have a negative view of ourselves, and we're in a space where we're like, okay. We want to, you know, move on and like be in a different space.、Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times people are usually highlighted after. Yeah, you know, they're already like, "Oh, I'm healed." That was like 20 years ago or whatever. And I think that's what's beautiful about our conversation today. It's like, yeah, I just realized I had an eating disorder like one year ago. This is not. Something that is just one and done. You know, I'm talking about it, and maybe I am talking about it in a way as if I'm completely healed about it. But no, I absolutely have thoughts where I don't want to eat a burrito. I want a bowl because I'm scared of the tortilla.、Yeah. You know, and I, those thoughts there. definitely there. <laughs> still still creep up. You know, and of course, of course, I've come such a long way from when I just started recovery. But I think it's just so important to like be so you know thankful、uh, for where we are now. You、mm-hmm. know, we have come a long way from even just a year or two years ago, and I just think I can't wait for us to do this again in two years <laughs> and be like, "Whoa, okay, we've come a long way." <laughs> Isn't that funny? I that. know. I'm excited. I know. I love you. That's so true. Yeah. I. I.、Uh, I was crying all day yesterday, <laughs> and I didn't post a picture of me crying <laughs> all day. You know what I mean?、Yes. It's like even the most、yes. real influencers are not doing that, and if、mm. they are, that's kind of weird. Because I'm like, <laughs> how do you have the capacity to do that? I mean, like if that's like your outlet, I understand. But I'm like, last thing I want to do is like talk to people when I'm in just. Flooding in my own, drowning in my own tears.、Um, so thank you. Okay, I did want to also ask you about posting the bikini photo. Yes. And what that was like for you. Yes. That was a big moment. Definitely. So、uh, another way perfectionism showed up for me was in my relationship to Instagram. I would, especially how my body looked. So you know, any photo, whether I had. A turtleneck on or a bikini on, I would 
completely tear apart how my body looked and how my face looked. So you could probably take 200 photos of me and even if I felt good on that night, you know, even if I had my makeup done, my hair done, you know, whatever, I would not want to post any of them on Instagram because I saw them as not good enough and not worthy to post on Instagram. Like I had such perfectionism in my Instagram account, like the photos that I posted on my account. So I was extremely picky about how I looked. And so whenever I was in recovery, I was eating a lot. And I remember I was in Joshua Tree on a little getaway vacation with my husband and two of our friends. And we were really just having the time of our lives. It sounds cheesy, but we were just having a blast. We were all in swimsuits and we were drinking sangria and we were just hanging out outside and laughing and just having a great time. And of course, you know, Camila, my friend was like, let's get a photo. And my husband took a photo of us and we're both in bikinis. And I saw the picture and I saw that, you know, my stomach wasn't in an exact angle that I thought was flattering. And I had a little roll on one side of my stomach. And I was just like, for the first time, I felt this like need to post that photo. You know, mm. it was just like, I don't need to ask Bo to take 50, 100 million photos of me and make my body into like weird angles <laughs> so that it looks how I want it to look. Like, this is the most beautiful photo of me ever taken because I am just me. I'm having a blast. I'm having a joy-filled day. And he took a photo and captured that moment. Like, that's what photos should be about, in my opinion. It's just like capturing beautiful moments of life. And so I saw it and I was just like, I need to post this. Mm -hmm. And I had never before posted anything like it, which of course I look gorgeous in it. Like I look amazing in it to everyone else. But to me, it was a really big deal. So I, I wrote out a caption saying, you know, it cheers to kissing perfectionism goodbye. Like I am posting a photo of my actual body and with no tricky angles, you know, and also I shared a little bit about how I had been restricting my food and counting calories and, you know, all of that. And so how I just together want to just overcome perfectionism, you know, I just no longer am I just trying to be perfect. It's like, I'm just allowing myself to be quote unquote imperfect and we are just all imperfectly perfect. And that's what makes us perfect are our imperfections. Like it's not, I am perfect because my body, my stomach is flat. It's like, no, I'm perfect because my stomach has crinkles up and because it has some rolls. Like it's both perfect, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so that was just super freeing for me because I think people really, people like you're saying, loved it, huh? they loved it. Yeah. Like you could detect that my shackles were coming off. Like you could feel it from the photo. And it's so crazy to me because, you know, two weeks ago I had posted like a photo of me in a swimsuit in a photo that I thought I looked great and like would get a lot of likes or whatever. But this one got like, a shit ton of likes, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, it's because that authenticity can be sensed. And people relate to you because I really feel the power. Okay. Wait, first of all, I'm really proud of you. I remember when you texted me, I was like, I was almost crying because I was like, <laughs> she's breaking through. <laughs> I was so excited. And that picture is beautiful. It's really cool too. But I believe in the power of owning, if you have an eating disorder, saying it out loud mm, and, mm -hmm. and admitting it full, you know, as much as you can with your full heart. Yes. And it's okay if it's not to everyone, but to yourself is a good start. And then maybe to like somebody that you love and trust, but saying, I have an eating disorder 
is so important if you do have an eating disorder. And mm. right now, if you're thinking, if you're uncomfortable with me saying that, that means you might have an eating disorder. So mm. sorry if I'm calling anyone out, but <laughs> just being comfortable with being not perfect and being like, I have an eating disorder. It's kind of amazing how many people around you respond and they're a lot more common than we know because mm. there are so many people who are just either like you who are unaware, like they just kind of are like in that diet culture, like they just don't really understand um, the definition of like what an eating disorder is, but like there's power in just like owning it and admitting it and being like, I need, you know, I need to change and this is me. There is because it, whatever it is, loses its power like automatically, you know, as soon as the very thing that we're trying to keep hidden from everyone. Like I would not want anyone to know that I had just taken 200 photos of me mm -hmm. and edited it. You know, it's like, no, I want people to think, oh, I just snapped a pic, put it on, mm -hmm. you know, like, but as soon as you admit and bring into the light, hey, I was editing 200 photos and still felt like they weren't good enough. You know, it loses its power because people hear it and for the most part are encouraging, you know, of course some people, you know, might not be a safe space for, for those kind of vulnerabilities, but you know, when you do admit and bring into the light to a person who is a safe space, what you are struggling with, it is freeing in itself. Mm -hmm. It's like, sure, maybe it's not gone away tomorrow, but just knowing that someone else knows and they still love you and they respect you even though they know the thing that you're trying to hide and don't want anyone to know it's like oh okay maybe I can tell other people about this because mm -hmm. chances are they're hiding something too like we're all trying to like put forth this like you know, not all of us, but a lot of people, you know, are trying to put forth like a curated version of ourselves. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because we all are not curated, like perfectly curated. Like we're all have silly, goofy, you know, struggles, like really intense struggles that we're going through. And you would think we would just kind of be open about it and talk about it with one another, but that's not mm -hmm. what happens. That's not what happens. <laughs> no. Something, something got mixed up. So we're right. in a situation now. I mean, yeah, Instagram and social media in general is like a whole other, a little bit of an eye roll for me right now, but <laughs> it's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, I'm so proud of you for posting that. And like I said, I, I, I love that picture. It's gorgeous. Thank you. You talk about in your book, well, you talk about all of this in your book, but um, you talk about self-approval versus outside approval. And I was wondering if you can give my audience tangible ways to develop um, self-approval. Yes. Um, yeah, I think it's just important to... I, I think I said this before, but, you know, doing doing things that you love and doing them often. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so something that I love is taking a bath. I love taking a bath. I love reading and I love going on walks. Those are like my favorite things in the world to do. And when I'm in those moments, I am approving of myself. You know, I am just naturally organically approving of myself going on a walk. It's like, because I love it, it's giving me life, it's giving me peace. So I'm developing, whether I realize it or not, I'm developing self-approval in those moments. So a way to strengthen that is just doing that a lot. You know, doing things you love a lot and taking notice of who, what you are doing and who you are with when you love yourself because that's who you are, you know, allowing those moments to define you instead of being with people who you're not feeling your self-worth with those people, you know, as the more you're with those people, the less and less your self-approval is going to be strengthened, like it's going to weaken. Mm -hmm. 
but if you surround yourself, you know, with people who are strengthening yourself, are strengthening your self-approval, um, then, you know, it can, it can grow. But I, you know, I'm hesitant to say the example of surrounding yourself with people because a lot of times, you know, finding a beneficial, loving community is hard. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times that's not at our fingertips and we may not have that. And so what I do think is super powerful is being by yourself, doing things you love, you know, like you can develop self-approval being alone and being comfortable with being alone. And that is something that a lot of people go their whole lives not having is being comfortable with themselves alone. And if you can, you know, be in a house or in your space and love it and love being with yourself, it's going to set you up for a beautiful life because you take yourself everywhere you go. So if you can love yourself when you're by yourself, then when you are in a different space, it will, you know, you'll bring that self-love into that space as well. Mm. Mm. I love you. <laughs> I love, I you love being with you. I'm I just like you. you're you're one of the people that, you oh, know, increase my self-approval. You too. <laughs> Especially just yeah, especially just with this past, like I keep saying this past year or two, you know, it's been a lot. It's been a journey. So it's really fun to, it's really fun to have a friend like you where I can go and like, I'm like, hey, and then we just start talking about like all the, <laughs> yeah. you know, changes in our lives just from the week before. <laughs> it's right. like, like every week I'm like, guess what? And it's, it's always supportive. And I just appreciate that. And I feel that from your book. So thank you so much for sharing your story and your personal like, eating disorder story and your perfectionism story because I know that um, my audience will really appreciate that and resonate with that. Of course. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on yes. as a guest. I yes. had such a great time. <laughs> and where, I already asked this before, but just in case someone only listens to this one, although they should listen to the first part too, um, but where can people find Borderline Brainwashed? On Amazon or Barnes & Noble online. Yay. Then. Oh, I can't wait. 